1: Hello, Trojan
2: fans, and welcome to episode number 219 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is April 30th, 2012. We've got a great show for you this week on the podcast. We're going to talk about the NFL Draft. We're going to talk about the USC-UCLA Dual Track Meet held in Westwood, California. We're going to answer your questions on the USC Trojan football team. And speaking of questions, we'd love to hear from you. We want your questions. We want your comments. Email us podcast at uscfootball.com. Or if you want, pick up the phone, give us a call, 206-888-6755. Leave us a brief voicemail. We will play it on the podcast. You can hear your own voice and we'll answer the question to the best of our ability. You can also go to peristylepodcast.com and leave a question there, a voicemail question. Click on the left side of the page and record it right on your computer. So lots of ways to get in touch with us. Ask us any kind of question about the USC football team. We'll do our best to answer it. We've got Dan Weber, our uscfootball.com beat writer and USC children football expert. Of course, he's going to be coming up a little bit later on in the show. And of course, Coach Harvey Hyde in the first segment. He loves talking about the NFL draft. We're going to pick his brain. Coach, what's going on, sir? How you doing?
1: Ryan, how you doing, buddy? It's great. Uh, Of course, uh, spring recruiting going on. So I follow that through your website and try to find out as much as I can as you do about who might be the next person to announce If they're going to be a Trojan, I love watching the NFL draft. I watched three days of it. Didn't think I could really concentrate on three days of the draft, but I really did enjoy it, especially the first round, because normally the first round really takes a long time to go. But everybody seemed to have everything in place. It really moved along quickly, and I think the whole thing was done in about three hours. It surprised everyone, usually they're marathons. But uh, I thought everyone, uh, well, From a USC, got a fair opportunity, as we discussed it last week on the show. We can talk about it. And also, uh, I looked at some of the NFL teams and sort of evaluated who I thought had great draft classes and some free agents that signed. So, I'm ready to go.
2: Let's do it, Coach. And before we jump in, I wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. If you need tickets for anything, and there's some hot tickets to get right now in Southern California, the Dodgers playing really well, best Record of the National League. The Clippers winning one of the craziest NBA games ever. <laughs> the Lakers up one nothing in their series. You can go to sctickets.com. Give them a call, 1-800-888-7287. You can still get Angels tickets as well. If you want to see Albert Pujols' first home run as an Angel, still available to see that. So that could happen. But if you need tickets for anything, go to sctickets.com, and they'll uh, hook you up. And Coach, it was, a, it was a crazy kind of draft. I mean, there was a lot of weird stuff going on. Uh, USC got... Only three players drafted, which was the lowest total in, I think, a decade or so. But two players go in the first round, Matt Khalil, Nick Perry, both juniors, and then Red Ellison, who switched positions, very unselfish player, comes in and gets drafted in the fourth round as well. Maybe get your thoughts on those USC players that were drafted, and then afterwards we can talk about some of the other guys where they signed as free agents and things like that.
1: Well, I think there's a positive note and there's a negative note. As far as the positive note, Look how many players who played last year that are still part of the Trojan program. So they didn't just win that on three or four players that got drafted. They won their 10 games last year because of the majority of their players are still remaining at USC. The next thing I want to do is congratulate the players that did get drafted and the players that did sign. And I think most of them signed at places they should be at. Of course, uh, Khalil, congratulations to him. Uh, fourth position we all thought he was going to go in the third but they just switched spots so that Trent Richardson could go to Cleveland and of course uh Perry I I think Perry just went to the exact place he should go to I, I just think he's going to fit in there it's going to be a dominant dominant uh type of uh defense for Green Bay they really beefed up their defense they took all defensive players except for one offensive tackle and a quarterback So Green Bay was working on their uh, defense. Nick Perry is going to fit in with Matthews. It's going to be awesome to see both of these kids play on the same team. And uh, I just am happy for both first-rounders. I'm happy for Ellison, Red Ellison, because really last year he was in, like I said, uh, a no-man zone. He was a fullback. He was a tight end. He wasn't really uh, a certain spot where he could develop to the point of being drafted higher. I think now he'll get heavier. He was drafted as a tight end with the Vikings, I think he's got the type of intelligence and he has great hands. He's done blocking. So I think Ellison, I'll just tell you right now, Ellison will make the Minnesota Vikings squad. He'll, they'll find a place to play him. Why he's all purpose. He's a good kid and he'll learn the offense and contribute to the Vikings. So I think the Vikings, uh, or the green Bay Packers and the Vikings really had a, a good draft. Uh,
2: yeah. and those, you know, three kind of big name USC players. I know some of the Georgia fans aren't real happy, only having three guys drafted. But I, you know, kind of like you mentioned, it's not that bad. It's not that bad of a deal if you get a couple of first rounders. So you know, there's some talent on the team. But also next year, tons of guys. You know, USC could have three guys drafted in the first round easily uh, with Barkley, uh, Robert Woods, and T.J. McDonald. But it means there's a lot of guys coming back.
1: Exactly. So there's some positives as far as with the team returning has a lot of great players and the players that are out there that didn't get drafted, as we talked last week about it, you know, in some cases when you're a lower round pick, it's better for you to select where you fit in. And the guys that did sign as free agents, I think they really fit into the teams that they're going to and they're excited about siding with those teams. And they had a choice and they looked at the Roths. Take take Mark Tyler. The fullback from uh, USC or running back from USC. He's going to be a power back in, in the NFL because his speed sort of limited and so on. He's big. He's strong. He can punish him. He's a back that, that Green Bay needs. Green Bay needs. I thought they'd draft a running back. They didn't, and they took Mark, and they're going to find a place for him here. He's got to get himself in great condition. He's got him get himself with great stamina. He's got to be able to hit the hole, learn the offense. And he will make the Green Bay Packers. And I'll tell you, when you make the Green Bay Packers, hey, you're playing for a Super Bowl. It's not like you're going to a team and making a team that needs a lot of help. This team doesn't need a lot of help except in certain positions. So he got to select a team that he could go to where he fits in. And I'm going to predict this, too. I think Mark Tyler will make the Green Bay Packers.
2: Well, that would be uh, pretty special for him, obviously, five-star kid coming out of high school uh then going on there trying to make his make his way in the nfl i guess guess the big name that at least a lot of usc fans thought would get drafted uh harris they call him juicy he ended up signing a free agent deal with the tennessee titans and definitely later on i think a lot of people still had him higher up on their draft boards and all the mock drafts and things like that but he did not get drafted uh what were your thoughts on uh harris
1: No, we talked about him before the show, and you thought maybe because of his heart murmur or whatever his situation was that they stayed away from him. Uh, You know, I think he'll make I think he's always looking for a big defensive tackle. Hey, this kid can play, and I think he'll make the Tennessee Titans because of one thing. He's going to pass a physical. You don't play at USC if you have something wrong with you. Ask Jarius Jones. Ask uh, uh, Armstead. Hey if you can't pass the medical test that USC has they don't care what you can contribute to the football team your health comes first so if he could play at USC with their medical schools and their doctors at USC he will play in the NFL he will get clearance he will make it down there it's a great spot for him he's a great player he's going to get better he's going to be get improved and SC's had great success with their defensive tackles in the NFL. Just look at Jarrell Casey last year and Patterson and all these others they have out there. Orgeron develops great defensive tackles, and I think Harris was a great free agent choice, and I think he went exactly where he should have gone with the Tennessee Titans. So I think he'll make that team.
2: The, uh, the other defensive tackle, Christian Tupo, with the San Diego Chargers, that'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with him down there. USC sent some guys down there before. But, yeah, another one of those guys. Just Maybe he doesn't have the numbers that kind of jump off the charts, Was but was a hard worker here at USC.
1: Yes, uh, he'll have a little bit tougher for time, but he's not quite as quick as Harris. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's strong. He might be stronger than Harris. But he'll stay in camp, and if uh, things go his way, he's a hard worker. He's a good kid. That, uh, you know, today in the NFL – Character means a lot. It really means a lot. You want some good kids on your team, too. You want some kids that control the locker room, that are willing to work hard, that'll do what you ask them to do, and he's this type of kid. So I think he'll go down there, he'll give a 100%, he'll never lope. Because if you watch an SC practice, and I know a lot of people over the last couple of years haven't been able to watch an SC practice, you don't stand around. And you go full speed all the time. And when you carry that into a camp, You set another rhythm because a lot of the vets don't like to work that hard. And you get a rookie and you tell him you just keep practicing the way you practice at SC and you got a shot to make that team. So I I think he's got a great chance to make uh, the Chargers, and I think he went to a great place. He's a great kid, and he deserves the opportunity. I say he's got a 50-50 chance of making the
2: Chargers. Uh, A couple other guys, too. Brandon Carswell ended up signing a little bit later with the uh, Oakland Raiders and uh, Chris Gallippo. Signed with the uh, Indianapolis Colts. I almost said Baltimore Colts. What, what, man, what a, geez. <laughs> But, but kind of crazy. Uh, yeah, so a couple other guys that signed as well. I, hopefully I didn't miss anybody there.
1: Well, I'll tell you, uh, Galippo, I talked about him last week on the show. You need Chris Galippo's on your football team, okay? I thought he signed at a great, great uh, spot. Now he's with a couple of guys he's tried to beat, uh, Luck, of course, from Stanford. He's now on their team with him. I think it's a perfect spot for him. If I remember correctly, I don't think Indianapolis uh, drafted any linebackers. They basically uh, uh, worked on the offensive side of the football. I don't think they took any linebackers whatsoever. They took uh, oh, they did take one linebacker from Vanderbilt. Uh, but uh, I think Chris. He's got the knowledge. He's played in the middle. He's he'll he'll learn to the playbook. He'll be a great special teams player. He's the guy you want on your team. He's the guy that's going to be at the meetings early, and he's going to be the last to leave. He's going to raise his hand to volunteer to play on any special teams, and all that type of stuff. You need that type of player on any team. And I'm going to predict now Glippo makes it with the Colts. And Carswell, I'm going to tell you, Carlisle, I'm I'm going to tell you, he's a great receiver. Just happened to be at the wrong place, uh, you got to be at the right opportunity to make it. With the great receivers at USC, you can't play them all. And the way Lee and Woods played, you can't get a lot of turns. But he's a great receiver. I think he'll play. A lot. I liked him as a freshman when he first came to USC. I thought he stood out as a freshman. I think that uh, he might get traded around a little bit, but down the road, if he's dedicated. He'll find a place to play in the NFL somewhere.
2: Um, I don't think. Did I miss anyone else, coach, for USC signings? If not, we can talk about Amon Armstead, who we uh, people thought he might get drafted. So far, from what I've read, he hasn't been picked up yet by any schools. It's been it's been kind of an interesting story with him the whole time. It didn't look like he was cleared by many colleges and or any colleges, and then the NFL hasn't taken a chance on him as well. But he certainly looks like he has a talent to be an NFL draft pick, an NFL player?
1: Well, it's never been a question about the talent. Never been a question about the talent. I really don't know. I don't think it's ever come out exactly what his health issues were. Uh, it's been kept quiet uh, because that is a, a family decision. They could announce it or whatever. They never did. SC never did come out and say it. There's been a lot of assumptions of what it is or so on, but I don't know. and don't want to get into this. But, you know, you got to care about the individual's health version. That's what USC did. You don't think SC could have used Armstead last year? I killed the coaches not for him to be able to play. But the health and the future of a young man is far more important than playing in a football game. And they demonstrated that at USC. That's one thing as a parent you look at. You look at how much do they really care about your kid and are they going to put him in a position where he may be permanently injured or hurt himself or whatever. So uh, will he have a chance to play? I can't predict that. Uh, there may be that opportunity. They may be able to get a waiver to allow him to play. Because I don't know what the injury is or the health issues or so on. I can't make a prediction on that, and I'd rather just stay away from it.
2: Makes sense, Coach. Um, well, we do have a couple questions to get to. Uh, before we jump in there, though, I wanted to get your thoughts on some of the teams you thought might have had Good NFL drafts. I know Pete Carroll took a lot of grief for a couple of picks he made up at uh, you know, with the Seahawks. But anyone stand out for you? Maybe comment on Pete Carroll or any of the other teams you thought were interesting.
1: Well, I thought Cincinnati had a great draft. I really did. I thought they had a great draft. Uh, uh, they got uh, a corner which they really needed. They got some offensive linemen which they really needed. They got a good defensive tackle. And Devon Still from Penn State I just think they really have got their things together now at Cincinnati. They played well last year. They had two great uh, first and second round picks last year, and I think they did this year too. Zeller, the big offensive guard from Wisconsin, they need offensive help, and they did get it, and they needed some defensive back. So I think Cincinnati, I'm going to give them an A. Now, you you know, you say you can't get anything better than an A normally in anything, but an A-plus, I'm going to give that to the Colts. An A-plus, I'll tell you, I thought they had a smart draft. They got the two top tight ends in the country. I think with luck now in offense, uh, I think they're going to be able to. You're going to see the New England offense and Indianapolis. I really believe you are. Uh, I think their, their, their rebuilding process has been absolutely amazing, the players they got. So I'm going to give them, they got big time players too. They got big time players from big time universities. Not that uh, great players haven't come. From smaller schools, but their drafts were Stanford and Clemson and Alabama and Mississippi State and Georgia and Vanderbilt. They got some players that have played before crowds that have gotten some experience, and I liked really what the Colts did. I, I gave them an A plus. I thought that the Steelers got an A on their draft. I think they really did fill their needs. Not that they don't have some holes, but they got two great offensive linemen and DeCastro and Adams from. Uh, to uh, a hole they really needed to fill to give protection to uh, Roethlisberger and so on. I thought they got a great linebacker to Spence out of Miami. Uh, so I thought that the Steelers really had a good draft. Uh, I was uh, I think they really put it together and and uh, had a good one I'm trying to Cleveland. I think Cleveland had a great draft. Trent Richardson, they got a great running back to go along with uh, Uh, Colt McCoy and you know I'm quite I'm concerned about Colt McCoy's shoulder I'm not sure if it's really a hundred percent because they took Brandon Whedon in the first round the 22nd player selected so I've got some questions about him you know Brandon Whedon's uh, Whedon's a great player I'll tell you he's a great golfer too he he also plays on their golf team which is pretty good so I think they got an an older guy, 29 years old, going to be 30 years old, but can really throw the football. And I think if Colt McCoy has some problems as far as his shoulder, that they've got a backup now for that situation. So I thought, I thought they really did. They got Schultz out of Washington an offensive tackle. So I thought they had a good draft too. So, you know, there's a lot of teams that had good drafts. There's a lot of teams that I couldn't really figure out what they were doing. C, C pluses, uh, the Jets, I could, I couldn't figure out what they were doing. They, I gave them a C on their draft. For all you Jet fans, I'm sorry, just couldn't figure what they were doing on their uh, Chargers. I gave them a B plus. Washington, the Redskins, I gave them a B plus. Uh, Seattle, I don't want to get involved with the Seattle situation because there's so many friends of Pete Carroll. But I, I tell you what, I had some problems figuring out what he was doing part of the way because Paul Allen was standing behind him. He was in the war room with him and I was just wondering if Paul was saying, "Oh yeah, we'll take him." But uh what do you think of it? Like when they took their first round pick, Bruce Irvin. This is a funny story. Let me tell you this. He's from Mount Sack. I don't know if you know the story on him. First round pick defensive end from West Virginia. He played at Mount Sack Community College and uh he went to West Virginia. I can tell you a story. When he was playing a, a junior college, a community college, and I don't want to point out this, the college or, or anything like this, but this tackle was blocking him at the community college that uh, Mount Sac was playing, and he got nine sacks, nine sacks in that game. I mean, he just destroyed this tackle, destroyed this junior college as far as the game against them. Mount Sac, of course, has great teams all the time in the community college. Well, after the game. The kid that gave up the nine sacks went into the coach's office, handed him his uniform and said, Coach, I'm not quitting. I'm giving up the game. I'm never going to play the game because if I can't block a guy like that and I'm going to see guys like that, there's no future for me in football. That is a true story. Wow. So he got himself a great pass rusher.
2: That's pretty... <laughs> that is How, about good... that?
1: How would you like to see your offensive lineman come in after the game That's... and hand you his uniform and say, I'm giving it
2: up. I'm done. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm I'm done. And that's the kid who played at Mount SAC, Mike uh what's his name? Bruce Irvin. Oh, okay. And uh he was the first round pick uh for Seattle. So I don't know if uh Pete Carroll knew him when he was uh, at Mount SAC or whatever, but uh he's a great pass rusher. And you know, another thing surprisingly he took he took uh two two uh players from Utah State too. Utah State's got a a football program that's improving he took a linebacker from Utah State and a running back from Utah State so you know we'll have to wait and see what happens you know you never know who does well in the draft until after they get to camp and they pan out you know USC has I think currently playing in the draft or in the NFL 48 or 49 active players I think the NFL has somewhere about a thousand something NFL players, active players on all their teams together. If I remember correctly and listening to uh, Mike Giddings speak at a, an event we were on and he was on my show the other night, he said, and I don't have the exact numbers, that of the 1,000 players or whatever the number is, 500 and some have been drafted players and the other 500 are players that have been free agents who have come on and made the team. Now, I don't know if that's stat's exact. So you have an opportunity to play in the NFL. You don't have to be a drafted player. All you need to do is be at the right place with the right team and given the right opportunity, make a team. Now, I'm not saying they're impact players, but they're players that are on the team that are doing, uh, getting paid and playing a role for that team. So I don't know the exact stats, but it is very interesting.
2: That is very interesting. Um, well, we had a uh, we have a question from Siler. He says he's a Trojan alum, living in the middle of Florida. He loves the, he has the podcast to listen to. He drives around with his USC alumni plates, Trojan personalized plates, and he can get a bit of grief. But after watching the draft, he said it was pretty cool to put some of these Florida football fans in their place when a cow punter was taken before any player from Florida, Florida State, or Miami. Plus, USC had two first-rounders. He said, another great day. Uh, but he has a question. It's very simple. Didn't really have anything to do with the draft, but he wanted to make those comments on the draft. He's like, what's the difference between a preferred walk-on and a regular walk-on?
1: Well, a preferred walk-on, to me, means uh, that he's a pretty good player, and he's on the bubble as far as you may have given him a scholarship, and he'll have the opportunity, and you'll tell him if he comes to your university, that if he follows through and and plays to the ability you assume he can play at, that he could have an opportunity to get a scholarship. He's a pretty good player. Maybe he has scholarship offers at other schools. And uh, you're saying you can walk on. We know you have to turn down the scholarship offers at other schools. But if you walk on, we will give you that opportunity. Uh, if you uh, make our top three teams, or you play, or you're in a position where you can uh, get a scholarship. So a preferred walk-on means you're going to get reps, you're going to be watched, you're going to be evaluated, you're going to get an opportunity, and and turns. And I think that's what the difference is between a preferred walk-on and just someone who you think is a good football player that can give you a good look for the scout team, but you're not going to be promised any of those things.
2: Yeah, and I, I think in general, I mean, people ask about questions about walk ons. Like, they don't, a preferred walk on and a walk on are still walk on football players. They do not have a scholarship. They don't count towards the 75 limit, scholarship limit, normally 85 scholarship limit. But they're, you know, they were more involved in the recruiting process. Like, there was probably discussion from the coaching staff that a scholarship offer may or may not have, you know, they, they talked about it at least, where, when they have tryouts for walk-ons, these are students that are, you know, at the school. Maybe they talk to the coaches and they're like, "Yeah, come on and, and try out and walk on." And they'll have a big tryout and they'll they'll let guys come through. Uh, the preferred walk-ons, you're not trying out for the team as much. They're like, "Yeah, you you can walk on, you can be on the squad." Um, so I mean, there's slight differences, but I guess the the main thing, coach, and people have asked us about this before when. You know, now with only 75 scholarships, people are talking about preferred walk-ons more because you're trying to fill the roles. These are guys that were really good high school football players that likely got scholarship offers from other places. Likely USC discussed possibly giving a scholarship offer. This is kind of like their dream school. Uh, the family has the means to pay for college or he's smart enough to get you know, academic aid and academic scholarships, and they come on and they're on the team. And, you know, like a Robbie Boyer, who was Matt Barkley's teammate, uh, in high school at modern day is kind of a good example, a recent example of what a preferred walk-on would be.
1: Exactly. And he got a uh, scholarship his final year at USC. And, and I think, too, that uh, a preferred walk-on is you're guaranteed to go to camp because there's a certain number of players you can take to camp. And uh, I think that's a, a plus. But there are some players that just come out for football after camp breaks and you're part of the team and you do the taxi squad, you do that. You really never have an opportunity. So uh, I think a preferred walk-on now is in a good position because in two years, they'll get back their 10 scholarships. So if you're willing to gamble for a couple of years, and if you do well, there's a possibility you could pick up a scholarship or one of those 10 extra scholarships that USC will get back. So there's always uh, that type of uh, thought, too. Right.
2: And and these guys work hard. I mean, they're... People talk about walk I, I don't want to make it sound like it's some derogatory term. I mean, USC's had like the Clay Matthews of the world that, that you know, that's kind of the rare exception, but these guys are working just as hard. Uh, they don't get the same kind of benefits that the scholarship players get all the time. Um, they're forgotten a lot of the times and, but they're out there working their butts off trying to make the team better. And the better they play, the better the guys on the starting line of play. And then, you know, like you said, some guys can play well enough to, to earn scholarships. Cal you could argue he was the best punter in the Pac-12 last year, and he doesn't have a scholarship. He's a walk-on. So don't undersell these guys if you if you can.
1: He's on his father's scholarship. I always thank his father, Jeff, when I see him all the time for the scholarship. He's giving his son to USC. Nice. <laughs> he, he looks at me like he wants to punch me. <laughs> <laughs> But he is. He is. I think he's going to be playing on Sundays too. I want you to know. And that, that you know, we didn't mention him earlier, but he's going to be playing on Sunday, too. All
2: right. Uh, well, we have a couple more to get to before we let you go. Coach Theo said, "Is there any way?" And I know you're connected, Coach. So that's why we're asking you. Is there any way you could put in a word and request them to bring back the yellow face mask? I think it. I think it would be a great nod to Trojans of the past, and not only does it look good with the classic uniform schemes, it's also intimidating. What do you think about the yellow face mask, Coach?
1: Well, uh, there, there used to be only one color. You know, they used to be yellow or uh, gray. I, I don't know if you people remember or go back that far. It used to be a gray color, and then all of a sudden it got into different colors. At UNLV, when I coached there, we had red face masks. Things that go along with your helmet and, that is an issue that you'd have to talk to Pat Hayden and <laughs> Coach Giffen about because of the tradition of the USC uniform. I'm not for changing any part of the uniform like other universities have done. I know when I coached, our uniform was the same, and I wanted to keep it the same, and the pride of the uniform is not a circus. Uh, and a lot of these schools now, when you turn on the television, you really don't know who's playing until the announcer tells you it's Maryland or it's someone that's playing because of the changes of the uniform, including Oregon. Now, don't get me wrong, they started it, and they're doing it for marketing, and kids supposedly like it and so on. But I think you lose the pride of what it's all about, the Trojan uniform, the Trojan horse, the different things that you have for so many years that your alumni and everybody rally around, and they know what your team is. I'll turn on an Ohio State game, and I know who they are. But I, I was surprised to see... Michigan uh, change and go back to some old time uniforms or some of the things they do did this past year with the tradition that Michigan has with, with their football program. But I hope it lasted USC. I know there's been some discussion about it. I think they changed the socks last year to black socks from white socks, which, you know, the kids like black socks. Okay. Sometimes you do it and sometimes you don't, but, uh, Uh, me, I don't like... I think once you start changing things, then all of a sudden that opens the door to change a lot of things. So, uh, that of course is a Pat Hayden and uh, the university's decision on what they're going to do with that thought. Me, myself, I like the traditional uniform. Whatever tradition is, is what I like.
2: I'm with you, Coach. I'm more traditional. I don't even notice that kind of stuff. Like, if they wore black socks one day, I'd be like, people have talked about it, or I can't tell you what color the face is right now. I guess I just... I need to pay more attention. I'm out there every day, but (laughs) it's not the stuff I usually are looking at. Um, One last one. This is Greg in Calabasas, and he said, Last week, Ryan, you mentioned Dennis Packer was likely not going to be the announcer, the PA announcer at the Coliseum for USC this year. I'm out of state and thus have only experienced Dennis. I was in the marching band, and I can tell you that every member loves Dennis, and I can guarantee that everyone could quote you his introduction for the band he does it with exactly the right inflection. To me, Dennis is USC football, and it would be a shame to see him go. Is there something I, the USC community, can do to convince the powers that be to keep him? That's Greg and Calabasas.
1: Now, I've heard that as a rumor. I don't know for sure if that's true. But I know Dennis Packard is one of the hardest-working guys in the press box. He actually goes to band practice. He actually knows exactly what the band is doing. He's a part of the band. He's a part of the halftime announcing of the band. You go to a lot of stadiums, and the halftime announcer, the PA announcer, takes halftime off. They don't know what the band's doing. The band brings their own announcer who's been at the you know, practice and so on, and they do halftime. Dennis Packard does it. Dennis Packard does it all. I think he's a pro. He's a professional. I love his voice. He's done every single team and sport that I can think of in Los Angeles, from the Dodgers to the Kings. You name it, Dennis Packard has been there, and he's excellent at what he does. Uh, He's doing the Chargers now, and uh, I talk with Dennis about that. It's great to hear his voice in the background. When you watch an NFL game in San Diego and you hear his voice, he'll do an SC game on Saturday and get up and go on down to San Diego and do a Charger game on Sunday. He is a true, uh, dedicated announcer. And uh, I don't know what's happening there. I have no I have no understanding of it. I'm not involved in it. But I heard that same rumor. And, Ryan, is that for sure, or is that well, just a rumor?
2: Well, they, they they used four different guys at the spring game. And uh, that's what, you know, it was going around Twitter and stuff that he wasn't going to be retained. I think, uh, I forget, someone talked to him, and it seemed like he wasn't going to be retained. And, you know, I agree with the, the email 100%. I mean, he is USC football and when you hear that when he says conquest or when it, you know the, the the spirit of Troy the University of Southern California Trojan marching band band take the field like you've heard that so many times and he just does it really well I, I it, it just seems like you have this perfect thing it's like you're you're you got a perfect 10 girlfriend and you dump her for no reason like what what could be possibly wrong with Dennis Packer calling the games like that I, I can't imagine what it would be.
1: I don't know. That's a good question to find out. If you're down on campus, uh, or you have an opportunity to see Pat Hayden or whoever's in charge, ask that question. Say you've had a lot of questions. Uh, people want to know exactly what's happening there and why or what. Or is it Dennis's decision? Maybe Dennis is doing too much, or is it? Uh, it's
2: not Dennis's. Heck, decision.
1: I'll call. Yeah. I'll call Dennis up. What do you mean?
2: Let's do it, Coach.
1: I'm gonna write that down right this minute. Hey, you wanna you know, we can
2: get him on the podcast next week? Why don't we do a three way call, see if he wants to do the podcast? What do you think? I'm gonna,
1: call Dennis. I'm gonna call Dennis and just see so we get a direct uh answer from him so that everyone knows what's going on.
2: I like it, coach. Yep, Perfect. Let's we'll, do
1: that. I mean when you call in, if we can if we can't answer your question, let's get to the bottom of it. We right? will get
2: to the bottom. All right. Well, coach, thanks again for coming on the show, answering all the questions and sharing your thoughts on the draft and all that fun stuff. Got a long off-season head going towards fall camp, but we always have stuff to talk about. We appreciate everyone sending in those questions, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week, Coach.
1: Thank you very much, and for all of our listeners out there that send in questions, uh, we do our very best to try to answer them. We don't run and hide. We just give you our opinion, and thank you very much. And, Ryan, thank you.
2: Yeah, thank you, Coach, and everyone else. Hey, 30 seconds away from Dan Weber, we're going to talk – about the USC-UCLA track, dual meet from over the weekend, and lots more. Stay tuned for that.
0: Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Parastyle podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1 800 888 7287. 1 800 888 7287. That's 1 800 888 7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, Concert, Sports, and Theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham.
2: Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham. And as promised, we are talking to uscfootball.com beat writer Dan Weber joining us on the line. Dan was at the USC-UCLA dual track meet over the weekend where several USC football players participated. Maybe, uh, Dan, we can kind of get your thoughts on what went down at the meet.
3: Well, you really are inspired by kids like uh, Tony Burnett, for example, at 200. Plus pounds, uh, probably 205 when the season started. And here he's willing, because USC has so many fewer athletes because of the way, of, you know, if you're a private school and kids can walk on at, at UCLA or they can get partial scholarships and <clears throat> say the, a partial scholarship at USC, still might, you might, like say a half a scholarship, you still might have to pay $25,000 a year to go to USC, and maybe you'd have to pay, you know, $5,000 a half a scholarship at UCLA. And there were events where UCLA had 11 uh, kids entered and USC had two. And it was like, you realize, it looked like UCLA probably had three times as many athletes dressed for the meet as USC did, and the imbalance there. Uh, so, you know, what those uh, football players are doing are allowing USC just to have even a chance to compete. In uh, in like dual meets now USC's got you know better top end athletes by far than uh, UCLA and we'll, we'll probably score more points in the NCAA but uh, you really got to give it to uh, like a kid like like Tony Burnett never I don't know how long it's been since he's long jumped because he basically was a triple jumper but he decided you know I could help USC here you uh, know I'll go out and and try to long jump for the first time all season or a kid like Abe Markowitz. Uh, in both throwing events, had he not walked off, and I guess we were thinking about it, just a few months ago, he was still in a motorized wheelchair, and, uh, uh, you know, maybe around the turn of the, uh, you know, first of the year, and here he is out there throwing a shot in the discus, and he did get him a point in the uh, in the shot, but had he not come over from football, USC wouldn't have had an entrance in either the discus or the shot, and um, so... Uh, uh it's uh it's a tough deal when they've got like limitations of things or, like 12 and a half scholarships or whatever it is for uh for men's track it's uh it's really difficult uh uh to get the numbers up so uh uh you got to give them credit that that those kids are willing to go out there and they're doing it for the right reasons they're you know they're competing they're trying to get better themselves they're trying to do things that you know nickel Roby and uh and and Tony Burnett and Marquise Lee are just out competing, trying to get better, working hard. They're not taking any time off. It's uh, it's kind of inspirational when you think about it, uh, what they're able, uh, what they're doing.
2: The uh, as far as the football players go, I mean, Lane Kiffin's been pretty open. Let you know, not having not having an issue with the with the football players on the track team. Have you seen it kind of affect the guys at all? I mean, I know that the USC men didn't do as well over the weekend as some would have liked, but what are, what are your thoughts on how this is affecting these guys?
3: Well, I think, uh, for example, with Marquise Lee, he's, uh, well, he and, he and the Cal both. Well, actually, now if we're going to look at all three of them, they're all trying to get slightly bigger. Uh, you know, Tony Burnett's going to be playing linebacker uh... Nickel's trying to get his weight up to about two hundred pounds he's up to one ninety five and the is probably five pounds heavier than he was a year ago and would like to probably gain another seven maybe be hundred and seventy five when he comes in uh... into august and uh... what they're all trying to do is to get bigger stronger uh... more explosive which is you know the jumping events certainly are helping uh... while they pick up weight But not losing any speed, and so I I mean I think it's just it's really a good uh, a good training uh, you know regimen, and plus the competitive part of it. I mean, just the very fact that these guys are you know willing to go out there, and when you when you go out and watch them in person, you realize you see Marquise Lee hurling through the air, and you think, man, that's a really big long jumper. I mean, you don't see guys you know that are pushing two hundred pounds that are built like that. Uh, come you know roaring down the the runway and hitting the board uh, he just he they don 't look like and Tony Burnett obviously I think he 's the second biggest triple jumper in the country, but uh they don 't look like that kind of athlete and yet you know uh Nickel, I thought had a really good event yesterday he was sec he and he and Marquise were second and third, so you know they got points uh you know they they push themselves hard and uh well, I think it's going to pay off. I don't, I don't think there's any question. They all feel like, you know, that it's paid off already, that they're bigger, stronger, quicker, more explosive, and that they've got more uh, more stamina. So, you know, it seems like a, a kind of a win-win thing, but uh, uh, it's kind of been going the other way in the Pac-12. I think uh, Oregon used to have some guys. Uh, I don't think they've got any more that are, that are competing in track. It's just kind of interesting that the USC kids have kind of And it's kind of a decision they've they've just sort of made on their own, uh, wanting to be better, wanting to be, you know, better trained and more competitive, and uh, it's pretty neat. And and like Abe Markowitz, uh, just, you know, they need me. Uh, I, uh, you know, I came here uh, throwing the shot, and I'm going to try again, even through the discus, and I don't think he'd thrown the uh, discus in years, you know, and he finished fourth. But uh wasn't all that far out of scoring a point, even in a distance. And that's such a technique-heavy event, and yet he was willing to, to give it a shot. So you you got to like kind of the, the sense that you're getting from the USC football players uh, in terms of their willingness to, to go out and compete. And you just think, you know, is that a, kind of a, a sense that this entire football team has? And you get the feeling, maybe it is, that, that maybe you know, you're seeing one of those moments where, uh, where kids just sort of come together and, uh, you know, not all that unlike maybe 10 years ago when, uh, when you had the Carson Troy, uh, you know, senior year and those kids just all sort of came together and younger kids and, and you know, decided this was time to, to uh, kind of make a, make a big step up.
2: You know, you mentioned uh, Abe Markowitz out there competing. I was going to ask if he, if he could throw the hammer or the discus or something. Uh, it's typically you see, you know, when you see an offensive lineman being recruited out of high school and they're good at some of those throwing events, I think the coaches like to see that because it shows that their, their feet are good. They, you know, obviously, it takes good footwork, and you talked about the technique. Maybe with the NCAA sanctions, there's, there's fewer opportunities for USC offensive linemen who maybe did some track events in high school that could come over and try to do both sports. So maybe the NCA sanctions are hurting the the track team a little bit as well.
3: I would say that's probably true, right? They always had, you know, a guy or two, you know, uh, a kid like uh, Trey Henderson, who just uh, finished up last year, who who got injured in football in 2007, but came in as a big-time hammer thrower out of Canada and then was able to finish up as a hammer thrower. uh, I guess Blake Ailes came in as a, you know, really big-time uh, uh, discus uh, guy. Uh, yeah, I, I would say those numbers have probably been limited by the football sanctions. Uh, you know, that one or two guys that, a year that that might come over. Although probably more than that has been the fact that how many hours and how much specialization there is, you know, in big-time college football. It it's a uh, takes a pretty special kid now, uh, I think, to, to make that uh, commitment and, and to, uh, uh, to be willing to do the second sport. And it takes that coaching staff that's willing to, you know, allow a kid to, say, miss a Saturday uh, scrimmage like, uh, like uh, Lane did with, uh, with Marquise and uh, allowed him to go to the Texas Relays, for example, which are kind of the, the big deal you know, interesting, and Marquis said that was kind of the high point of the year, getting to go to the the Texas relays. And uh, so most coaches probably aren't, you know, it it probably defies the stereotype that, you know, people had of of Lane being so, you know, singularly focused on football and that, but he certainly seems to have had a very comfortable relationship with with the track program and with the kids that, that want to do both.
2: Um, well, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, Dan, before we get to a couple of these questions was uh, the, the NFL draft. Uh, USC had two players go in the first round. Red Ellis ended up going in the fourth and uh, that was it. And I, you know, I was watching the end of the coverage of round seven and Mel Kuyper's big board. They, they had a couple of packed <laughs> pack 12 guys yeah. on there, like Vontez Perfect and uh, Dejon Harris, who I think a lot of people felt was at least going to get drafted fifth, sixth round or something like that. kind of get your thoughts on what went on with the draft.
3: Well, I think uh, Dejon, had to have been hurt by the, uh, the uh, uh, heart specialist who flagged him in the, uh, in the combine. And it surely seems like it was an up-in-the-air issue and that it was something that uh, uh, kind of a natural, uh, you know, situation with his heart that isn't that unusual. The doctor was from the Cleveland Clinic who has kind of a special interest in that area. I know as soon as it was over uh as soon as you know uh Dijon got back I know his agent got him with a uh, a cardiologist in Scottsdale who said you know he's fine it's not worth not even worth talking about there's no issue here and he obviously was was in good shape and he was running well and and uh, his weight was good and all that kind of thing but uh I guess you know in the NFL if you give him one reason maybe not to take a take a flyer on you you know they've got all those free agent signings and so they can uh, and and sometimes you're better off being a free agent signee uh getting with uh you know you've got a choice of of teams and you can kind of you know you have a, a little control over that you don't you know have the original contract But um there's uh you know bottom of the uh you know the 6th and 7th round uh contracts you know maybe uh, don't outweigh the ability to to go to a team where you really want to go to. But I do think that uh, that that doctor flagging him uh, he he should have he was good enough and uh, had a, a, a body of work good enough that he should have been drafted. So he he had to be knocked out. I think Montez because of all of the issues you know with the uh, the drug test and then the, he only did 14 reps in the uh, in the bench press, which is just stunningly off key, you know, somehow it's like, wow, on top of all the uh, behavioral and and coaching issues, when you see a performance issue like that and then you see the drug test, it's just, you know, do we, I would think internally, if you're with an NFL team making the case for Vontez, you would be the guy in the organization that said, let's take a chance on this kid. And I think it's a lot easier to pass on somebody uh, than to go for him. And uh, I think the USC kids, you know, you had Christian, you know, with the surgery that's, you know, the, uh, on on the knee that, you know, just certainly limited him, you know, somewhat. You had Mark with a couple of, Mark Tyler with a couple of issues in terms of weight and maybe not running as, as quite as good as he should have. And then, you know, the disciplinary stuff and the off-the-field stuff. Uh, each of the USC kids kind of had enough of an issue that uh, that was going to, you know, make them more of a candidate to be a, uh, you know, a free agent signee than, than not. Now, I mean, actually, I think this class, this group, might fare better as free agents than, say, last year's uh, group of free agents did. I think they're more... Uh, Specifically talented in, in certain areas, where you know you had, say, a uh, uh, somebody like Bradford, for example, who was you know in the last couple of years is a good example of a you know of a guy who's sort of in search of a position, in search of what's the best thing. You know, I think a kid like, like Brandon Carswell, is a free agent with the um, 49ers, he can do a couple of things. You know he's big enough. He's fast enough. He really he blocks people. He's a a really hard worker. Catch the ball. You know he's got uh, some skills. He'd been a quarterback in high school. He's a kind of free agent. I think that you know can find a place in the league. Uh, And so I think they've got more of those kinds of kids that uh, that will have a chance. The one I think everybody was so thrilled with, who did get drafted was Red Ellison in, in, in the fourth round by Minnesota. And I think that's a – he's just – I mean, he's one of the few rookies who will come in and be a leader uh, in the weight room or on the practice field just by the way he works and what he does. And I think Minnesota did their homework in, uh, in saying that, you know, this kid will not only be, you know, a disciplined special teamer who can do so many things, but, uh, you know, he – he will be the kind of guy that could be a rookie and show the veterans uh, this is how we work. Uh, so you know, that, was a, that was a wonderful thing, to, you know, to see him get picked. And it was kind of an interesting draft. USC, you know, they only get three, and that's, uh, that's the lowest in a decade. And yet you get two first-rounders, which is, you know, uh, uh, equal to the other 11 teams in the pac 12 uh, you, you hold on to your place as the, you know, the program that's produced the most first-round draft picks in history, the most draft picks in history. So, And, and that's kind of what I'm writing today, Colin, will be uh, if this is the worst draft in a decade, and the, um, you know, I think your program can sustain that if you get you know, two first-round picks uh, of both juniors, basically, kids that had another year to go. Uh, you're doing pretty well actually.
2: Yeah, not too bad. Uh let's go for yeah, next year should be really interesting <laughs> with that.
3: Right. And, and if the reason your your uh your draft picks are down this year are because kids decided to come back for another year like Matt Barkley and you know TJ McDonald or because two of your all-Americans uh in line are underclassmen like Robert Woods and uh, Marquise Lee, you're in good shape. I mean, that's like the dream scenario you know, for the, you know I'm not sure I I quite you know understand people who think oh man this is not good this is our our worst to have. no 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 this is actually this is the good news the good news is those players are all you know coming back you know you've got uh you know 18 starters coming back that's the good news yeah. that's what you want I mean that's when you win national championships or when you have those kinds of players who are still in the program,
2: the uh, it's funny the NFL.com. I think Bruce Feldman tweeted it this morning. I retweeted it, and I this will lead into a question for you, Dan, that uh, that uh, Paul sent in. Um, but he they, they talked about next year's early draft. They had three of the first four players either play for USC or used to. They include Matt Barkley, Robert Woods. And Jarvis Jones, who's <laughs> now a linebacker at Georgia. They also had T.J. McDonald in the first 30 picks. So that's a pretty good representation for USC. And then it kind of leads into this question here. Paul had, he said, I have a question about Marquise Lee. I heard rumors that because he's older than the average freshman, he would be eligible to declare for the NFL draft after his sophomore year. Any truth to this? The, uh, uh, no,
3: no. Maybe if he's playing baseball, I don't know. They have some slightly different... Uh rules in baseball that, uh, I think there may even be an age component, but you know, not in football. No, no,
2: Yeah. You have to be three no, years. So the rule is three yeah. years removed from high school. So it doesn't from really matter school, right. how old you are. You just have to have, you know, three. So he's, you know, he's been out of high school for three years. So, you know, like Muredovich was the first sophomore, I believe, ever to go to the draft. That's because he redshirted his freshman year, played two years. That was three years. And then he was ed- eligible to go
3: right and, and like uh what's his name uh, andrew luck actually would have been eligible last year after his redshirt sophomore year uh because he had red shirted uh so many people forget and boy when you think about it uh here you know the two usc kids that are drafted uh were both red shirts uh and, and matt khalil and, and nick perry had you know spent another year in the program so uh uh you know it's uh it's uh you know not necessarily the worst thing in the world uh to be True. coming off a red shirt. Uh,
2: we have a couple of quest- other questions to get to, Dan. This one's kind of an interesting one. Just I, I You forget, like, we, we're we around this terminolo- terminology a lot of the time. Uh, but this fan has a question about some of the roster terminology.
1: Okay. Hey, guys, this is Bill from Chicago. I just needed to ask you guys a question. I'm looking at the football depth chart, which you click on at the top of the Parastyle Podcast webpage. And when you look at the players... Some of the players, like Dallas Kelly and some other players, their uh, description ends with the letters SQ. I have no idea what SQ means. Maybe you could tell us. I'm assuming it means special qualifier, or if it means, or, you know, if you could tell us what the SQ, what the term is that the SQ is an abbreviation for, and then tell us what the term means, I'd appreciate that. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. Enjoy your podcast.
3: Yeah, you know, I love uh, love hearing a Chicago guy. That's just uh, almost <laughs> don't have to. And having lived in Chicago for a while, you almost don't have to tell us where you're from. That's great. Uh, I think uh, they used the definition uh, for a non-letter winner who was on the squad. Uh, I believe that's how, how that designation is in there. They don't want, for example, if a guy didn't get a letter, but uh, they want you to know that he was on the squad last year. Uh, so he didn't redshirt uh, and that kind of thing. So it's, it's, not, it's probably one of the least, uh, you know, descriptive terms in there, but, but I do believe uh, they use that as sort of a, a catch-all for guys that were on the team uh, but, didn't, but did not letter uh during the previous year.
2: Right, and the, the if you look at the usctrojans.com, like the official website, they, they have a little bit more detail. But essentially, what you're putting behind a player for experience is um, sometimes if he just transferred, you put a transfer, like a JC. Right. SQ is a squad, squad experience. So they were on the team, but they didn't they didn't get a letter. They didn't play. Um, if, you, if they got a letter, if they play, so if a kid comes in as a freshman, he plays he'll have a 1v next to his name the following year so he has 1 year of varsity and then if 2v 3v how many years you've played uh you know rs is usually standing for a red shirt so if they redshirted there um, but yeah so it's basically like Dallas Kelly's been on the team uh, he's a senior this year but he doesn't have a letter yet he's not doesn't have a 1v or anything next to his name so that's that's essentially what it is and it's kind of confusing dan but just just the you know how they classify what these players are
3: right uh, so because guys, you know, come back and forth, like especially the walk-ons who are listed on the roster pretty much, you know, right in obviously they're listed at, you know, number, position, class and all that. But, you know, a guy might have walked on and, and played as a sophomore, uh, but then not as a junior and comes back as a senior or whatever. So it allows you to kind of differentiate year by year. So you get a picture of, uh, you know, what where the guy was last year, for example.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for that one. We love the Chicago questions. Uh, Here's one from Matthew, Dan. He wants to know, would it be smart to redshirt Morgan Breslin and Gerald Bowman, since their positions seem to have enough talent and a bunch of players in front of them? And if they redshirt, they would also have a year extra to learn the system and have more eligibility in the future. Or do you think they should play this year in order to provide depth?
3: You know, I think those are the kind of questions that you can have an idea about, but I don't think you can have a decision about them. I think a lot of those are more determined. For example, uh, this time last year, you could have asked that question about Marcus Martin. Heck, people were asking that question about Marquise Lee, Uh, you know, saying things like, well, you know, we got enough safeties maybe. I don't know. Maybe he might be a safety. and." Uh, I think there's some of these questions you really do have to let them play out. Uh, you know, that may not be a lot of kids. The thing is, you don't know which kids that's going to be. I mean, who of us, who of anybody, coaches, any of us, would have picked Marcus Martin as the kid that would step in and start and, you know, solidify the offensive line? Nobody. None of us. Not, you could have been, you could have asked us after the first week of August practice. Uh-uh, none of us are making that pick. Uh, so uh, it might be a little early to be doing um, those kinds of, you know, really specific calculations. Like a guy like Morgan Bresson, for example, he was so much quicker, such a, you know, better, you know, first, second step than the kids he was playing against that um, and he so often, uh, so often was not engaged. I mean, he wasn't touched. He wasn't um, – you know, he didn't have to learn how to handle certain kinds of things that, you know, they're going to happen against, you know, the best competition. So a kid like that really needs an adjustment period, you know, to grow into his talent and his speed and to realize how he has to use those at this level as opposed to, you know, at the junior college level. So um, uh, I don't think – I think we'd be premature – to uh, judge him, he didn't look like, for example, in the spring game. By the time we got to the spring game, he looked much different than maybe he had looked the first couple of weeks because it's such a big adjustment. So, uh, so I think you let those play out because you don't have to make a call on those. You know, you just have to make the call, uh, you know, soon enough. And, and there are times that people look back and say, oh man, you played that guy one game or one play and." Would you like to hear that back? And, and and there are probably times where you say, yeah, we probably you probably would like to hear that back. But uh, uh, just as you don't want to, you know, decide you're gonna play a guy right now, uh, you probably don't want to decide uh, you're not gonna play a guy either. So uh, uh, and and with the scholarship, you know, situation, it's even more important, I think, to let those things play out naturally and and not do too much uh, kind of fantasy football kind of. Personnel moves—you uh, just really, you have to let them, you know, show what they can do. Honestly, the Marcus Martin thing I think should stick with everybody's mind. That uh, wow, you just never know.
2: That's a great point. You can pick guys the red shirt I mean, people thought marcus Lee was going to play safety, and you didn't think he would be the pushing Robert Woods to be better than him. So there's a lot of crazy stuff. We just tell you what we see, and uh, we're not always right. I
3: think Robert Woods is a perfect example. You know, he started showing up every day with his playbook, and he knew everything, and they were like, holy crime, you know, this freshmen don't do this. Well, I mean, it was just obvious. You know, he just made a place for himself. So that's two years in a row with your, you know, wide receivers, and look at how that's paid off. And neither one of those was uh, was necessarily, you know, uh, predicted. I mean, Robert was, you know, there with, uh, you know, big-name big guys like, you know, um, Markeith Ambles and, you know, Kyle Prater and Dylan Baxter, you know, and and the guys had come in early even in the spring. And and Robert just went by everybody. He just knew everything. Uh, uh, And, uh, you know, I don't think they'd seen him block, for example. And all of a sudden you realize, man, you know, on top of everything else, he really hit people. Uh, So you pretty much have to let them play and let it play out.
2: All right. Well, Dan, thanks again for uh, sharing all your insights here on the Peristyle Podcast. Always fun. Thanks, everyone, for sending, those, for their sending in those questions. And thanks again, Dan. Great talking to you.
3: Yeah, and those are good questions. We, uh, that's good. I love where those questions are coming. That's great uh, stuff, thinking about things that, uh, you know, we need to probably uh, make sure that uh, there are just so many terms and so many, uh, you know, issues involved. And, and it's great to hear those uh, pretty insightful questions.
2: It's good stuff. All right. Thanks again, Dan. Thank you. Everyone else out there listening to the Parastyle podcast. We'll talk to you all next week.
0: You've been listening to the Parastyle podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.